Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram, Eric Mathy and Todd Carroll. We were talking about this earlier and I said there's no way I can mess Todd's name up. Todd, Todd mm. Coral. So, hello, er, Andrew. <laughs> hello, Andrew. Hello, hello, Simon. Hello, Eric. Hey, Simon. Batting 100. And hello, Todd. Good morning, Simon. Uh, it's good It's good to have you here, and I apologise already. And you're, uh, you're currently looking at me with a, with a fixed um, expression at the moment, because um, your, your video feed is just frozen on, on us. I don't know if that applies to you guys, but... Uh, um, but no, he, he's moving. Just you. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it's just just me. I think it, I think it's something went wrong when I mis mispronounced your surname. Uh, the internet gods are punishing you. They they certainly are. They certainly are. You're almost giving me the eye now. Um, oh, you're back again. That's 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 great. It's not quite so disconcerting now. Um, so yes, great great to have the three of you with us. Um, this has been a trying morning. Uh, so far, in fact, it's actually been a trying 24 hours for me in particular, uh, because about a day ago, I tried to record the Classic Lenses podcast and have failed miserably. Um, and this is all because it's actually all stems back to uh, coffee donations and getting our uh, Zoom recorder so we could do outside broadcast recordings. Um, and then... I was chatting to um, Graham Jago, the Sunny 16 podcast, who has one of these wonderful machines. And, he, and I was, we were talking about how you can use it and, and how he records a show. And I decided to do things differently because I realized that the microphone was a better standard and all of these wonderful things. And uh, so I, I used it for the last podcast, which was awful. Um, it, my, my local recording didn't work at all and I ended up having to use the backup recording which is usually pretty poor um, so uh, so we only just about scraped the last podcast uh, with it and I've been fighting with it ever since to the point where um, around about half an hour before we started to attempt to record today's show I had to like completely wipe my system and start all over again and go back to the old way of doing things with the old microphone and simple and don't try and mess with things. So that's that's. So yeah. Stuff. So if we can summarize this saga, ladies and gentlemen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so yes. So we we're, we're we're back. We've got a show to record, which is which is great news. And the first thing I want to do is to thank our last guest, um, and that was Deborah Parkin, um, who was with us for show fifty. And what a wonderful show that was too. So fabulous. Uh, Thank you for being with us there, Deborah. Um, okay, so that's where we are for uh, for an introduction. And I'm going to hand over to Eric again, who's going to uh, talk about our guest. Oh, again? Oh, okay. Uh, well, today we have Todd Coral. See, it's like Coral, like the sea. I got that. Uh, <laughs> and Todd uh, is a longstanding freelance photojournalist based in Alberta, Canada. He's done work for everything from Reuters to CBS, the Christian Science Monitor, which I've got to add, like Christian Science Monitor, like I had, you always see them around, but I never really took them seriously as like a source of journalism. So you have to tell me about that. Um, ESPN, Miami Herald, Globe and Mail, and of course the, the bastion, the grand old lady, National Geographic. Um, and in doing so, he not only shoots his digitals, but he has rangefinders, he shoots the hot rare, uh, the odd Hasselblad every now and then, uh, and also four by five and the beast, the eight by ten. 
Uh, and Todd has recently started a really great YouTube channel that we'll talk about. It's essentially a pandemic product. Am I right? It's, it's like a it's like a pandemic. I'm stuck in the house. I got to do something kind of Pretty thing. Much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, which has taken off really tremendously. It's a great, great channel. I, I recommend it. But also on top of that, I've, I've had the joy of actually chatting for like, what was that? Like a three hour? Yeah, we had a good chat a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, like a, a three hour bullshit session um, in which I learned a lot of things. But one of the big takeaways for me is that Todd is a huge uh, student and photography fanboy. Like he's like, oh, you should look at this guy and this woman and this guy. He's like, he just like starts rattling off all these names of people, um, both current and you know a little older like us. Uh, like, and he's he's a steer student of the field, uh, which I find really impressive because a lot of photographers like they just get into their groove and they don't really bring their head up much. Um, so I'm kind of actually let's start with that. I'm kind of curious about that, like what brought you into photography and what has like sustained this intense enthusiasm that makes you not only like shoot everything you can lay your hands on, but like watch what everybody else is doing to the degree that you know their names, what they're doing and what they're doing next. Yeah. Even if I'm not a fan of their work and that, I mean, that sounds weird to say, but even if I'm not a fan of the work, I look at what a lot of people are doing and how they're doing it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of photography. The great Ralph Gibson said that there was no bigger fan of photography than Helmut Newton and Helmut. I saw Helmut speak one year at the national geographic seminar when I was a kid and he was, he was amazing. And to, he was this older guy who was excited about being a photographer and excited about his pictures and excited about being photography. And I just really, really remember that as well. And I've always been a student of photography. I came from a really small town, uh, a farm and a ranch. And I knew that I didn't want to be uh, a farmer or a rancher. And early on, you know, the, the only magazines that I saw in the school library was National Geographic and Time magazine. And I used to study these and I used to look at all these all these photographs and all these great photographers. And I knew, you know, I joined the the camera club in high school and I, I kind of started doing it there. And my um, my photography teacher in grade nine started kind of teaching me about photography. And basically by grade 12, I think I taught him more than he ever knew about photography. I mean, I just dove into it uh, head first and I lived it nonstop. I lived it all the time. And right out of high school, I went to my hometown newspaper and I walked in. And I said, hey, I want to be uh, I'd like to be a photographer for the paper. And they're like, well, with this really small paper and we can't you know, we can't afford anybody. And I was like, no, no, it's OK. Like, I don't need any money. I just want to be a photographer. And it was owned by uh, a, a man and, a, and, and his wife. And um, and then all of a sudden. Uh, Connie, the wife said, you know, there's this thing going on in the weekend. Why don't you try like taking some pictures of it? And literally I started being a newspaper photographer right out of high school. And I went and I photographed that weekend and it was the most exciting I'd ever been. I was actually making a living being a photographer and I did it that weekend and I worked the rest of the month. And then the guy came up to me and said, how much did it cost you to be a photographer? And I think, you know, at the time it was like $75 for the month and they were giving me film and everything. And he st- and he gave me $150 and that was, that was my paycheck for the month. And off I was, I was nice. running. And, um, 
And I just, I just, I just love photography. Uh, I, I, I live it, uh, you know, nonstop. I have a gigantic book collection um, that is, you know, I've collected books from everywhere I've traveled in the world, and and yeah, and and even even like, like even your, your show, you know, it's it's something that I don't miss now. I discovered it. I, I travel in the country and I listen to you guys banter and talk and, and listen to your guests. And there's a lot of great photography podcasts now. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's just who I am. And, and, and I think all the friends, all of my friends, they know that, that I'm just fully invested into being a photographer. So then, I mean, first off, I think that's, that's, the uh like the 18 19 year old like i vaguely i vaguely remember being 18 or 19 where you're just full of it and you're like yeah i'm gonna go do this thing i'm gonna i'm gonna walk into a newspaper and be like i'm your photographer you know and like just the, the confidence like i remember the first uh, newspaper assignment i had for the student newspaper they just sent me out like oh okay let's give you a try it was an independent daily the one of the the oldest independent daily in the nation for colleges and it was just such a heady thing you know, like they give you the film and you got the camera and you're like, oh, don't, don't, don't mess this up. And then you have to go back and develop the film and they're just watching you like to make sure you don't, do you know what the hell you're doing? Um, and then they critique the work, the whole thing. The first one is just like a combination of like the most exciting thing you've ever imagined and the most nerve wracking thing you've ever imagined. Right. Yeah. Especially the film. Cause you just don't know what the, what the hell you got. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, when I started, it was all black and white film and yeah. you shot, you went into the dark room, you developed, you made prints and you, and you did all this, you know, within the hour and you got stuff out very quickly. Yeah. Um, the, the huge eight reel tanks were just like, sh- yeah, yeah. Developing, you know, and, and, and with a hairdryer and, and drying film as fast as you could, so you can make a print and get it out and you're on deadline. And there's like nothing more exciting and, you know, being yeah. in the dark room and listening to some good tunes. And even now today, I still do a lot of darkroom work and it's a, it's a great place to go to kind of get away from everybody and get away from it all and just make some prints and zone out and, uh, and be there. So do you think we'll get a large format in a minute, I swear, but do you, do you think that, that today's, you know, the, the kids, we can say that who are discovering photography either in teenagers or as they go to, to school or whatever, um, by coming at it from a, from, from digital camera, Right. Instead of film, do you think they're they're missing out on on something, some basis of education or experience or like, you know, what do you think they're getting out of what they do versus what we did with film? I mean, I, I think the I, I can say the kids because I have a kid who is who is, you know, 24 years old and right? and, and who's doing photography now, who, who's actually shooting film with me and going into my dark room and making prints. And he loves it. He loves it down there. I think when I see some of the younger photographers, um, we had to be much more stringent in how we took photos, exposure, all of that. They can be a lot more freer now because they're using digital. It's a lot more forgiving. They kind of just go out and shoot things. And then a lot of guys are doing things like, 
all of a sudden, you know, they're shooting wide open and they're getting this different look or they're shooting flash on camera and they're getting this whole different look. And they're not scared. They're not looking so much, at, at I think, at what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the kids these days, they're just doing their own thing. And it's really interesting. There's a lot of young people that are doing some really, really interesting work that I look back and say, damn, you know, I wish I could shoot some of this stuff like that because, you know, they're just unhi- unhindered, right? Right. Yeah. That's true. That is really, really true. I hadn't really yeah. thought of it that way because a, a lot of uh, a lot of established photographers who had to cut their teeth with film, they sort of go, "Oh well, like they're they're machine gunning and they're just like choosing one out of ten thousand images that they shot in that hour, and yeah. it's super safe, and they can look at what they had and um, know exactly what they got." You know, there's there's no guesswork or anything yeah. else. But at the same time, like what you're saying, the opposite is they have complete freedom. Yeah, to just let it fly because they're not because they're not constrained. And, by and at the end of the day, who cares if they shot ten thousand images? Yeah, right. I mean, show me a picture, show me the image. Like that's what it's about. It's it's right. it's about it's about showing you this photograph that moves you, that makes you stop, that arrests you. I mean, that's really what photography is about. I mean, mm-hmm. we get into this whole thing of, you know, on the digital side, they get into, oh, it's shot on a Sony, it's shot on a Nikon, it's shot on like, like who cares? Like seriously. Right. Or, and even with film. I mean, I love the aesthetic of film and I love going back and shooting film. And there, there's this whole reason why I love shooting film. But who cares? At the end of the day, who cares if it's shot on film? Like, show me some great photographs. Right. You know, let's talk about photography. All the great photographers, that's what they talk about. They, they talk about stories, issues, ideas, uh, communication. They don't talk about whether it was shot on like this latest lens. And, and I mean, it's fun to, you know, get the gear. And, and God, I am, I am, you know, a gear, uh, a gear head. I have so much stuff. You know, I went to New York one time. And uh, Mary Ellen Mark was a friend of mine, and I went to her studio. The first time I went to, got to go to her studio, and I thought, oh, you know, Mary Ellen Mark, here's this photographer, shoots on a Leica, maybe a Mamiya, and, you know, she, she does this stuff. I went into her one room where she had her gear. God, it was like B&H. It was, there was so much camera equipment. She loved gear. I was like, oh, my God. She's got every strobe, every camera, you know, Linhoff's everything. It, it, it was amazing. But she was all about just photography. And, you know, she was, you know, by far one of the most amazing photographers, you know, the yeah. world have, has ever seen. Yeah. She's a legend would be like yeah. an understatement. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. Like, like you see or meet some of those folks and like they walk into a room and you just kind of know that's that some someone has walked into the room that has a presence right oh, yeah. like when yeah. when um i was in magnum new york and magnum had their general meeting that year in the new york city office i remember being in the office the hustle and bustle like the general meetings happening like one of the photographers come in and like i my back to the elevator and the elevator door opened and just the world froze. And you could tell someone had just come off that elevator who just stopped everything. It was a boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah. boss walks into a room and you're like, like, you don't have to be looking at him. You just know. Yeah. yeah. Something momentous has just happened because he just has a presence about him. Um, and he's a tremendously nice guy, but his talent just oozes. From yeah. Him. yeah. His I, mind, was on a, 
I was yeah. on assignment one time and he was there working and I got to spend a bit of time with him and chat with him. Yeah, he was an amazing guy. Yeah, but like they just walk in the room and you're like, the f- just happened. Yeah, you're yeah. looking around going like, the, is, everyone just, you just, you can just tell, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Andrew, your mic's off. I was wondering if you had a question. Todd and I are just going to keep going. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I do have questions, but they wouldn't suit. They wouldn't fit into the. I um, enjoy listening to the okay, okay. to the flow okay. of things. I do, have right. questions, but it would just jerk away from uh, the current <laughs> flow of things. So All right. I'm, I'm All right. holding myself in suspenders. Okay. Boing it, boing it, boing it, boing it. I'll mute before I say something else. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from a small town newspaper as an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then from there, like you've you've gone on to like the National Geographic's Christian Science Monitor again, mind blown. I'm like, oh, geez, they do exactly. Um, how did that? Tra- how did that that happen? Right? Like, how did you go from from literal A? Actually, it'd be B, right? Your high school was A. Yeah. The local yeah. newspaper is B, up to like T or whatever where you are now, right? The the first the the first kind of break that I got was. Um, I worked at my second newspaper, which was a bigger weekly newspaper, just just close to where I grew up as well and where I lived about a year later. And uh, I was on assignment one time, and then uh, this old guy came up to me and it had these Nikons around his neck and this big camera bag. And he introduces himself to me, and it was George Mobley, who was a great, great National Geographic photographer. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. He's like, like you know, you're, you're in small town, Canada, you know, so removed from any of this, so removed from photographers. And of course, you know, pre-internet days, right? So there's, you're not seeing anything. And I said, Oh my God, there's a national geographic photographer here. And he was going to be in the area for a week. And, and he said, Hey, if you want to like come along. And I said, yeah, I said, I can help you out and give you a tour. Well, I went back to the paper and I said, hey, I, I need to take a week off because there's this uh, geographic photographer here and I want to like help him out. And they said, no, you can't. Like, we're way too busy. I said, OK, fine. I quit. And I went to the door and they're like, wait, what a second. You can't just quit. I said, like, like, I'm doing this. There's no. And they said, OK, OK. And we worked it out. They give me a little bit of time off and I could do a couple things. But I spent a week with the National Geographic photographer, you know, being immersed and i was like oh my god like this is what i gotta do and george actually got me an invite to the national geographic photographer seminar so this is a yearly event that Mm -hmm. happens where all the great photographers of the world they converge in washington dc and they do this seminar and they have all these great speakers and it's this amazing time And, and, and so now i'm a kid i'm in you know like i'm 20 20 years old or whatever i'm at the geographic seminar and everybody's there like every major amazing photographer you know jim Noctway's there and the turnley brothers are there and it just it the list goes on and on of of everybody you know who's famous working for the geographic and so that was like my first foray into kind of doing that in 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 meeting these people and then, of course, meeting the assistant director of photography and, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, this little club. If you're there and you kind of fit in, then all of a sudden, you know, you do some work. Um, and a year later, 
I had, uh, uh, you know, I had met this guy and then he said, Hey, we have this like little, and, and I haven't done any major assignments for the geographic, just for family reasons and stuff like that. But I've done some like small assignments where they said, Hey, we have this thing for two days. Can you go and photograph that? And that, you know, so that was kind of like my end to, to, to doing that. And then I went to a larger uh, newspaper, the Winnipeg Free Press, which is a, uh, a big daily, had a, a lot of amazing photographers. And then I went to another newspaper for five years and then I quit and then I just started freelancing. Right. You know, when I was freelancing here in Alberta, which I've done for the past like 20 years, I worked for a French photo agency. And at the time, a friend of mine, um, who kind of ran the agency in America, they said, Hey, you know, we think they caught this guy down in Montana. We think they caught the Unabomber. And would you go down and photograph it, photograph him for us? So I went down to, you know, Helena, Montana. And sure enough, they caught the Unabomber and I got all these photos of the Unabomber. They were like arrested him. They were bringing him in, bringing him to court. And of course, the following week through uh, the agency in Paris, the photos ran all over the world. Like the, it, it was, a, and and this was still in the day where you had film, you packaged it up, went to the airport, put it on an airplane, uh, you know, sent it off, and then it would get developed and get distributed. Right. You know, these are still the days where you'd be rushing to the airport. You know, pre digital cameras, and then after that. Um, you know, my pictures ran all, all over the place. I go to my wife. I said, hey, you know what? I got to go to New York. Uh, like, like my pictures, you know, people know my name. And I just literally went to New York like the following week. And I started meeting with people. I'd call photo editors up and I'd say, you know, photo editor from Newsweek or Time. I said, hey, you know, I'm this photographer. And they go, why does your name sound familiar? And I'd, I'd go, I'm the photographer that shot the Unibomber. And they go, oh, yeah come on over and see me. And I would like start showing people and they'd go like, why are you here? You live in Canada. But then it was, it was a matter of like three months later, the editor of fortune magazine called me up and said, Hey, remember you came and saw me. Could you do this portrait of this guy in this oil guy in Calgary? And it just, you know, you just right. kind of build upon those stepping stones of your career and use things that happen um, in your career as a stepping stone and getting more work and, and moving on. Right. Which actually makes me want to, I'm going to skip ahead for a second. So you can give like things happen and you get stepping stones. You had mentioned in an earlier conversation that like the YouTube channel, which you just founded as a pandemic project um, has done really well and has actually managed to like get you even like more work, uh, which isn't often the experience of folks. So I was, I was kind of curious, like how, like, what happened? Like you became Todd, you're an internet sensation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea what happened. I, I started this YouTube channel. I had a friend, he said, listen, you should really do a YouTube channel because you, you're really in, into photography. You, you, you like large format, you like teaching. And I have a lot of friends that are really good photographers and would always source me for information. Hey, I am thinking about getting a large format camera. What do I get? What do I need? How do I load? And, and I'd, I would be, I'd do a little search on YouTube and I would send them a link and I'd send them a link. And sometimes, and I'm not busting any other channels, but sometimes some of the info on YouTube, guys can go on and on and on and on. 
And when I started doing my YouTube channel, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do concise information. Here is how you load film. Boom, boom, boom. These are the steps and you're, and I'm done. I, I'm out. So I kind of started it for friends and friends who wanted to get into large format. I started this YouTube, YouTube channel and, and for some reason it really had taken off. I, I, I mean, you know, it's hard to get kind of like a thousand subscribers that's like the keystone yeah. uh, the the mark and um when i started it and i know what it's like because i've done videos for papers that have done extremely poorly uh, that you look back and there's like 300 views and, and i'm going this is going to be like a mountain to climb so i started this youtube channel and all of a sudden, I started getting like a lot of people watching it and comments. And then my subscribers started going up and up. And at the beginning, my goal was to see if I could get 500 subscribers in a year. Um, in, in, a, in just last month was a year that I started it. And I was, I, I think, at 5,600 subscribers. So I had gone through that uh, that ceiling as it, yeah. as it were and and it it just i i get every day i get people sending me emails from all over the world and like like thanking me and saying hey really saw saw your youtube channel a um, lot of great information love how you deliver it and stuff like that so it's been it's been a really good road it's been lucky but to your question of of what happened so so a friend of mine here or, or a guy that I know has this company and doing, you know, I started it during the pandemic. There was, there was nothing to do. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't staying at home. You can't. And even now we're in our third wave lockdown. It's, it's impossible to go up to people and say, Hey, can I take your photograph? And I mean, you know, everybody's masks. Nobody wants to be close to anybody right now. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a bad time. And then he said, I saw your YouTube channel. Would you, um, uh, and I th and I was rolling my eyes. I thought he was going to start busting me for like, why are you doing a YouTube channel? And then he said, "Hey, I have these two employees, and we're kind of we're we're here. We can't do anything. Would you do some videos for us? Like, we want to do these instructional videos." And I'm like, oh. "Yeah, sure, I could do those." And then it started off like once a week, and then later in the summer it became twice a week. And now I'm still working on them. In some weeks, we're working on them four days a week of 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 doing all this work. So it's turned into this, you know, great piece of, uh, of work for me that I'm, I've been busy and doing corporate work, you know, kind of nonstop. And then another friend of mine saw my YouTube channel he goes, he, he has an environmental company. He said, Hey, we'd like you to do some videos for us to do, you know, to promote our company and show what we do, just like how you do it with your, with your channel. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I could do that. Interesting. So, so now I've been working nonstop producing these videos for these companies because I did a YouTube channel. Um, so, so it didn't lead to like more editorial work. It led to like video work. It led to, it, it led to video work. It led, it, it led to, yeah, kind of corporate video work. And, uh, you know, editorial is very tough all around the world now anyway. I mean, it, right. no matter where you live, it is so hard to be an editorial photographer now. There's just hardly any work. Um, you know, magazines, newspapers are giving fewer and fewer assignments. Uh, and, and, and also with the pandemic, can't really travel anywhere, can't go anywhere. It's hard to, you know, it's just, it's, it's a difficult time for, 
for uh, documentary photographers or photojournalists right now? Do you see that? Well, one question around that, but then I'm going to switch something else. But do you see that that trend post pandemic getting better or worse out of curiosity? No, like- I, I, I think we I think I think the news industry has to be reinvented. I think, you know, there's a few places that still do OK. You know, people look at The New York Times or The Washington Post and even in Canada, The Globe and Mail does mm-hmm. very well in 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 in. England, you know, I, I do some work for the Guardian. Uh, you know, there's there's a few places that that are doing okay, but they're reinventing itself. But uh, you know, we're looking at really a collapse of the industry. I used to work nonstop for Sports Illustrated. They do hardly anything anymore. They pick up so many photographs. Same, you know, same with Time. Same with a lot of the magazines. It, it's just it's a whole different lands landscape now. Landscape. Yeah, I say here in, in San Francisco, the San Francisco Chronicle managed to completely reinvent themselves and actually turn a profit. Yeah. Which is shocking. I have several friends who work on their on their staff as yeah. photojournalists. Like, but they're they're a rare bird. I was actually surprised when when I heard that the Cron was was turning a profit. I yeah, thought they yeah. were they were like the rest of them, the examiner and everything else. They were just gonna like go down, you know. Um Andrew. Todd you know, I, I the world of professional photography is a million miles away from from me. You know, it's always just been a, a passion and a hobby for for years and years and years. You know, it's it's my world, and I just wish I had as many books as uh, as you do. Having seen when you showed a few on your YouTube channel, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But for youngsters, you know, I mean, photography is uh, a really popular subject now amongst young youngsters. And there's, there's something on the BBC at the moment with Rankin on, the, uh, I don't know if, you, Simon, you've uh, you've seen it. I, I just caught the advert for it. Uh, is it the Master of Photographers or something? Yeah. And, you know, the kids are being critiqued on shots and things. I just caught a, a bit of it the other the other day. But if you're, you know, if you're, if you're w- with the amount of people taking pictures on your iPhone and being snapped up by news media, you know, okay, they're pictures, but there's no sort of, in-depth story behind them so is there still with with all the newspapers collapsing and going online and people just not buying print media and maybe you know guardian online times online maybe they're struggling to get paid subscribers i don't know certainly they would have been a few years ago those youngsters who are just desperate to break into the industry i mean how easy is it for them now to get into is there such a is there a route to being a photojournalist or an editorial photographer now or is it just you know dog eat dog and Good luck with that. From what I hear, you know, from what I to- I've been told, it it is it is harder to become a photojournalist than it is to become an actor in Hollywood. I mean, wow. like like that's how hard it is. But I also think that there there's still hope. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's still uh, there's still a place for great communicators people that have something to say, people that have an original way to say it, photographers that have an original voice, an original way to say it. If you're just trying to copy somebody and be what somebody has done already, it's going to be very tough for you. Uh, If you're trying to be just a daily kind of newspaper photographer, do daily assignments, you can do those, but it's, again, it's, it's going to be a little tough. I think it's, it's, it's really, really going to come down to having, you know, interesting ideas 
and presenting them in a in an interesting way uh, to people because um, no matter what when you it, it, and it's always been like this you know cream always rises to the top when you see a really great piece of work it's it starts to get shown around and people start to see it and um, so I, it, it's very very tough though it, it, it you know it's not easy I think I think with a lot of people you know you're going to have to do a another job or something else. Um, and even I look at a lot of my contemporaries, you know, people that are kind of my age, you know, they're, they're doing different things or they're transitioning out of the business because it, it's just so hard to make a living at it now. So um, you, you started your YouTube channel as just for your mates and things, but it's kind of evolved, hasn't it? I mean, I, I don't know when I first became aware of you, it was uh, a while back but I, I think one of the first things i saw was your uh, photographing some uh, cowboys i'm going to call them cowboys i don't know people yep. with stetsons and yep. you know you're at some shows and you you know you had them out on location with a large format camera um tell us a little bit about that project because that really intrigued me and uh, i'd like to hear a bit more about it well that's you know what you saw there in that uh, episode that's basically where I live that you know that's where I live I uh, a lot of my friends are cowboys out here they're rodeo people out here they're people that that compete that way and um, and again just to do something different to have a little bit of a different voice I started taking out my large format camera and doing portraits of them and kind of you made mention of that you know with everybody having a cell phone these days you have to try to make a photograph that is going to stand out a little bit and be a little different than what everybody else is doing. I think that is also key to being a successful photographer these days is trying to do something that's a little bit different. So I started taking out my four by five camera. And the great thing about when you shoot with a four by five camera is, is you slow down and the person that you're photographing starts giving you a lot more time. It's not like just a snapshot. They will stand there and you'll say, okay, you know, take a deep breath, slow down, just relax for a second. This is a little bit of a process. And they give you that time. They're fascinated by the camera and, um, and you know, they, 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 they kind of love the gear and you, you explain how it's going to work with them. And often on my phone, I'll have some, you know, black and white pictures that I'll show them. Okay. This is how it's going to look. And they're quite excited to be photographed in that manner. And so, uh, you know, I started taking out, you know, taking film and my four by five camera and doing portraits of all these people and, and they love it. They will give me the time. And oftentimes, you know, after I get a scan done, I'll shoot them a scan on, on, on my phone and they get to post it and they're all excited about it. And, and, and for me, the other big thing for me is it's a way of documenting the time and place right now in Alberta where I live and have that as a little bit of an archive because um, that's one thing I regret when I started shooting digital for a while, uh, almost almost ten years. I really, you know, went. Uh, I really went down on shooting film. I, I didn't shoot film very much, and I really regret that because um, 
I, I really, I really love making prints. I love making black and white prints. And I think it would have been great to have this little bit of a historical archive of some of these cowboys and, and how I photograph them and, and, you know, the, and their lifestyle. There's a photographer down in the States. His name is Kurt Marcus. And he shoots a lot of, you know, kind of, he has shot a lot of cowboys and he shoots a lot of it on Pentax 6.7, but on his Linhoff as well. And, and he's been printing, he just had a big show at the Staley Wise Gallery in New York City at kind of a retrospective. But I, I look back at that and, and he's got like this body of work that will kind of go on forever. It seems digital, like, you have these pictures, but where are they? <laughs> like, like, like they're on this hard drive and like, it's, it's like, I know you can access them, but until you kind of make a print in that, you know, you have these negatives organized and make a print, it's, it's kind of not like a photograph, right? I mean, it's, it, so I, I, you know, that's the way I look at it. I, I don't know if you heard our conversation with Jarrah Ortiz, you know, is a, uh shoots large format photography for the who is it help me out here guys the parks u.s parks, US parks service. yeah five by seven yeah and we had uh, we strayed into this area a bit because i said much the same you know you know hey your your digital files come the apocalypse and the solar flares or you know and all the satellites die you know you know since you're not going to get your photos but uh, you know deborah parkin will still have a box of family snapshots written with things written on the back you know yeah and um he seemed to be you know he seemed to be suggesting he, he kind of agreed but then he said well you know the technology they're developing now they seem pretty certain of uh, being able to archive this stuff but i mean at the end of the day it's still all ones and zeros and relies on electricery doesn't it it, it really does yeah. it, it really does is and 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 there's something tactile about having a negative That's that that you can hold and examine and make decisions. And, and, and I know you can do this digitally, uh, you know, so I, I know you can put it in Photoshop and make all these things digitally, but to be sitting in a dark room and to make these final decisions and, and presenting this work as your artwork, as your, as your final piece and, and knowing that you've made a decision to maybe make the photograph a little flatter or a bit more contrasty or, or whatever, um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's this organic quality to a print and, and having a print and, and, um, yeah, having it on a computer, just, it just, it just seems lost. And trust me, I have, I have millions of photographs on a computer on hard drives. I have banks of hard drives here. I lost, I lost almost all my photographs from the 2010 Olympic games and it was on a RAID 5 hard drive, a, a Drobo. I always tell people, don't use those. Uh, it was on a RAID 5 uh, hard drive, and I lost almost everything. I've recovered almost all, you know, all of the, the good stuff that I have back. But that was – it was so scary. I mean, you know, that was like, like a monumental event here in Canada. It was an Olympic Games, and, and I, I almost lost everything, right? Right. And when a hard drive goes down, like there's – it's – for us normal folks, it's like there's nothing to be done. Like it's just this box. Yeah. You know, if you scratch a negative, you're like, oh shit, but I still have the negative and 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 okay, it's still here. But like a digital file goes away, your laptop gets stolen, the hard drive crashes, whatever. You're just staring at this metal box going, 
what the hell do I do now? I send it off to a magician and pay them a ton of money and I pray that they can do something with this. Yeah. Right. But, but, but as we've spoken about so many times, you know, let's, let's not have a downer on the, on the digital side of things. Cause in many ways it's, um, it, it's been hand in hand and instrumental in, in buoying up film photography. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, and, and, totally. yeah. And don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I have, a million digital cameras. I am not anti-digital in in any way. <laughs> uh, you know, I have like a digital cameras, and and you know, I have a Sony and I have Canon. Uh, I, I mean, um, I, I had the first pro digital camera where I live, like right when the Canons came out. So I've I've jumped in both feet uh, on the di- digital world, and I I still use that to make my living and 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 work all the time. Um, but, uh, but on a personal level, when I'm doing kind of personal work, I just love the process of, of slowing down, shooting with, with a camera that produces negatives and in, and in particular large format cameras going to the dark room, you know, not immediately seeing the photograph mm-hmm. going to the dark room and then sometimes thinking, Oh, you know, should, should I, develop this a little more to give a little contrast or should I pull back because you know, the light's different. You, you start making, you start living a little bit more photographically where you're making these decisions. You develop the film, you let it hang, you, you sleeve it, you make contact sheets, you spread them out and, and you spend some time with them. And, and yeah, you're not shooting 10,000 photos of something and, and, and letting your motor drive run. You, you're making, you're making decisions and sometimes you go, Oh damn, why didn't I do something else? But, but you have to live with those decisions and, and you're, you're living with the moment of, of taking the picture a bit longer than just kind of churning out stuff all the time. I mean, I mean, I think that's the other thing. I, um, I got the impression, I get the impression watching one of your, it might even be the most recent one, the, the Rocky mountain video where, where there's you and your restored, I made a note of it. You'll have to tell me the name of it. Your restored uh, wooden camera, five yeah, by my, seven. My Criterion five by seven. Cri- criterion, camera. yeah. Great you, name uh, you, you went out. You went out with some great big tennis shoes on your feet, and you walked around with a single lens, <laughs> uh, a yellow filter, no yeah. lens hood, no lens hood, or you didn't even shade. I'll come on to that in a minute. I don't. Uh, that was quite find that interesting, but you know, you seemed. I think one of the things you said you're, you're seeking stillness and something else. I've written down here, but I can't read my own writing. Um, so, are you moving? Are you just reacting against all of that digital stuff and the over complexity of it? And do you think that sort of one camera, one lens, the freedom? I, I imagine it gives you freedom. Oh, you know, huge freedom. Huge freedom. And, and the work you produced, by the way, um, from what I saw on YouTube, and it's very, I'd love to see some of these things as beautiful prints, but the simplicity of those images you made in the snow, very, very graphic and simple, you know, but the detail is there where you wanted the detail. You know, there were some shots where the blacks just disappeared completely. You're making some very intentional decisions, but the, the, I, I thought the, that was some of the nicest images I've seen and I think you seem to be so enthused about being out there. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about that. Um, I say we're right up to date and we've missed loads of chronology, but tell us a little bit about your yeah, the direction yeah. you're heading in with and, and, and about restoring that camera. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I mean, well, let's go 
let's go to restoring the camera first. And I had wanted uh, a five by seven camera. I got a book by a guy named Thomas Joshua Cooper, who is a brilliant photographer. Uh, he's an American, but lives in Scotland. He teaches, um, I think, in Ed- Edinburgh or, or something. And he has his whole working photographic life. He he has used a five by seven camera and one lens, 180 millimeter lens, which is approximately a 35 millimeter in 35 millimeter terms. And he uses one type of film, FP4 plus. He develops it one developer and he and he produces these great bodies of work. And I've always been a fan of going out with one camera and one lens. When I was teaching my son how to be a photographer, I gave him a camera, a fixed focal length lens. I said, go make pictures, you know, go make pictures with kind of what you're doing. Um, I need somebody bringing me tea like that too. That'd be be great. And um, so I wanted a five by seven camera. I, I like the format. I mean, I have four by five, I have eight by 10, but I, I kind of, for, for landscape, I wanted to do this landscape project and I wanted a five by seven camera and I had looked in, you know, I didn't want to spend a lot of money. I found this great one on eBay and the bellows were shot. It needed, if you look at the, if you look at the video that, that I did um, on rebuilding it, the camera was in, in solid shape, but it needed some, you know, refurbishing. So I bought this and I got it for $350. It was, you know, wasn't a lot of money. Not a lot of people want five by seven wood field cameras these days. And I got it in and I rebuilt it. I send the bellows away to camera bellows in England. He built me uh, these great bellows for it, put it back together. And this thing is beautiful. So I went out and did a test and I brought my, got my film back all the pictures were out of focus. I was like, oh, <laughs> like now what do I do? So I call up my friend, Bill Peters, who's an optical engineer. I said, hey, all my pictures are, are out of focus. And because of the back and I put a new ground glass on it, it wasn't, it, it needed adjusting, right? So mm-hmm. he adjusted it all and now it works perfect. It's like absolutely like this beautiful, gorgeous camera. And the camera only weighs two and a half pounds, maybe. I mean, it's super light. You know, I had a leather maker uh, make a beautiful new leather handle on it. And anyway, I love the camera. I put a modern 180 millimeter lens on it. And that's that's what I use. I uh, it, It's a photographer long time ago told me, you know, you, you go out with one lens and one pick, with one lens, you will just see that way and you'll start moving around. And, and making photographs with that vision. I mean, too many people go, they think they need, you know, five, six lenses in their camera bag to be able to go out. But if you have one lens, you will just make pictures with that one lens. The great thing about that is when you use one lens and, and go out and shoot photographs, it gives you authorship. Those photographs be, start looking like one photographer should shot those photographs which i'm really a big fan of and i kind of want that in my work at the end of the day when you see this body of work i want people going oh yeah you know this looks like one photographer shot all those photographs so going out and and working with that camera for me is is like you said it's so freeing because i have one little bag the lens is on the body and 
all you're and now all you're doing is just seeing. You're just looking for photographs. You're you're seeing what you can within that within that frame. And and you're making decisions. You're making decisions on the exposure. I use a yellow filter just to you know pop the contrast a wee bit up here, and that's it. And it and and simplicity is freedom. Not having a lot of stuff is freedom. Uh, you know. Anyway, at this point in my life, for me, it is it is just uh, when I when I teach at workshops or 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 speak. I tell a lot of people, you know, get rid of the big backpack full of gear, take a camera, take a lens and just go see photographs. Uh, and it, it's, it's a really freeing kind of way uh, to work. Uh, I absolutely agree. But when you've got the choices of cameras that you've got, you, your first stress point is deciding which single camera and which single lens <laughs> to take out. How, yeah, easy, how it, easy do you find that? Well, it, it kind of, I kind of work on projects. I work on different things. So if I'm working on this project, like right now with this five by seven camera, what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to photograph all of the, um, regions on in Western Canada, like, 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 like the rainforest, the mountains, the prairies, the boreal forest. So I'm trying to photograph each region because it's under, it's under stress. Uh, you know, our government here just announced that they want to start making coal mines and they're going to blow some mountains up. I, I mean, it, it's like, who does that these days? But <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. So th- there's a lot of regions that are, that are under stress from, from uh, you know, overpopulation and, and just you know, they're cutting old growth forest down in BC, you know, there's, there's all this kind of stuff happening. So I'm trying to not make these photographs like the typical Ansel Adams, very pretty. I'm trying to editorialize them a little bit, but at the same time, I'm trying to show people the beauty that we have and let people decide, Hey, should we protect this? Should we keep this? Um, I, I, I don't like to be, and, and you'll probably have noticed on my YouTube channel, I don't like to be preachy. I don't like to, you know, give my, hey, this is the only way to do something. And if you don't do it this way, you're doing it wrong. You know, I don't believe in that at all. There's a million ways of doing something, of taking photographs, of different gear you can use. It really doesn't matter to me. But I'm trying to, trying to show people these regions and then let people decide. Do we want to save them or do we not give a shit and let's just like, you know, plow them under and, and, and keep on going. Which, what do you, which, what do you, sorry, Eric, what do you hope to do with those images then? So you've clearly got a, you've clearly got a, an idea, you know, uh, uh, first of all, you've got a use for your camera. Yeah. You know, that, that group of projects, but, and you, you're concerned about the environment. And I have to say, I'm surprised. I always thought, you know, Canada and Canadians, I thought, Wow, they just look after things, you know. Like, yeah, same. Like, like the environment. He's like a hippie. South yeah. of the border, and you live in Trump land. Or, well, you know, I know he's gone there. You know, you you want to dig coal mines everywhere, don't you? But not in Canada. So you've um, what? What do you? What's your end game with these? You know, with these, with these images. Well, the the end game will be an editorial story that will probably run. Um, you know, in, in the national newspaper here or, or a magazine, there's some projects that I don't like to put out there in terms of, uh, 
giving them to somebody editorially uh, too early because because then inevitably you get the phone call, hey, it's Saturday. You know that story you're working on? We've we need some space. We have a bunch mm. of space and a story has fallen through. We need that like in three days. And I'm like, well, you know, some things you're not ready to give out until it yeah. until it's done. So so you know, hopefully it, like an editorial story that that will come out that will go across the country that people can look at. And I made a print actually uh, two weeks ago, the first print I did from these five by seven negatives. And oh my God, it's just, they're luscious. I mean, the, the print is just, it's just, you, you see my, my YouTube channel and you go, hey, you know that it looks like a nice photograph and you, you know, you kind of see it for five seconds and then you fade off. But when you see this print, you're just like, wow, like look at the detail and like that. There's, there's no grain and, and there's this whole big tonal range and, and the, the prints are, are really, are really, really nice. So I'd like to, you know, I'm doing experiments with, um, with these negatives. We're doing one up at 50 inches by 70 inches, uh, you know, you know, five by seven. So we're, we're extrapolating and it's going to be these gigantic prints. And I'm going to see about maybe having an an exhibit with these, with these prints. Those unfortunately will probably be printed digitally because I I don't, there's just no place where I could print them that big here. Okay. Um, Just to say, Simon's overheating, so we might uh, we might run into technical troubles. Yeah. He's getting a little hot. Yeah. Can, can, can you still hear me? Yeah, we can hear. Yeah. You. No, that's, no. Good, that's good. Like, but you've got a funny shade of grey. Yeah. You're, you're losing tonality. Yeah, yeah the, definitely. The talk of luscious prints just made him. Yeah, you're going very flat, Simon. <laughs> yeah, you need a, a, a yeah a, a red filter or something on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah, that yeah, camera. Yeah, 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 straight up a red. I'm 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 hoping we're not about to have the a repeat of the uh, trouble we had before. I'm actually just trying to bring down the. Uh, oh, there you go. Better. I'm starting to look. Oh, better. Yeah. Better. Oh, no, no, you look better now. Just yeah. just get a fan on the damn laptop, like stat. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I've got this warning. Keep on saying I'm at 65 degrees centigrade, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've hoovered out my computer a few weeks ago, <laughs> uh, which is what caused. Uh, all the trouble last time, but yeah, I'm this, this counts as stuff that'll probably get edited out. Yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> be, be aware if I disappear, that will be the reason. Um, so, uh, so, but, but well, please, I'm, I'm still here at the moment, so uh, okay. even, though, even though I can't well, see any of you any, anymore, but can uh, you not? Well, you're not missing much. I'll take a pause and then I'll carry on because I want to, I haven't really finished the line of questioning. <laughs> we have a line of questioning for you, sir. Sit down. Do you need a lawyer? <laughs> I was, go- I was going to say, Andrew, that's all staying in, so just keep on going. Oh, for yeah, goodness yeah, sake. Uh, I love your professionalism. <laughs> so so you've got all, this, all these cameras and lenses, and, and, but you like the simplicity of just using one, so you get around that, Todd, by perhaps devoting a camera and lens to a certain project. Does that, is that a general – I mean, I like that idea. I, I, I like to use my Fuji GW, GW690 on certain – Project. I've got a very clear idea in my mind, so then I don't get stressed, you know, about oh, I haven't used it in a while because I know that camera is going to fit this project. Is that is that the kind of um, do you do that? Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. I um, kind of my next YouTube video that will be coming out is I did this story for the Globe and Mail on these climbers that got killed on a mountain peak here in Canada. 
And, and um, we went and talked to their families and, and I did portraits of everybody on eight by 10. And so very much, I will look at the story that I'm working on and, or the project that I'm working on and I'll say, okay, I think it's going to be suited to this camera and, and, and it's for a variety of different reasons. You know, anything from a Hasselblad to my four by five to, to um, you know, eight by 10. And I try to not to repeat myself. And I know I probably should be, should really settle down on just one format and become that photographer. You know, you guys had a guest, uh, Alice Tomlinson. Is it Tomlinson? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you look at Alice's work and God, I love her work. She is just such a wonderful photographer, just an amazing, amazing photographer. And, you know, she uses her four by five and she uses one lens and she goes out and she just, and then it becomes photographs of the subject and not of what, of the photographer and what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I very much I look at I, I look at the project and and you know what I how I want to photograph it and and execute it and then I'll decide on a format and then when I go out traveling then it's very much I kind of leave everything at home take that one kit out and just think in those those kind of terms. Well, well, that that brings you very neatly to talk about your failed European and Asian trip. And your excuse, get this, your excuse to go out and buy a Chamonix 45 N2 camera. Um, <laughs> damn, you know? I, I, I need I, um, like that. I mean, yeah. I, I hope my wife won't listen to this podcast because she'll, say, <laughs> she'll be like, you bought another camera? What? <laughs> um, you know, so for three years before, before uh, the, the state of the world that we're in now, uh, my wife was on a deferred program and, uh, you know, getting paid part of her wage, 75% of her wage. And then I was saving money like crazy. And then last year, um, she was, she's a school teacher. So she was going to be off for the year. And I was going to be, I was going to take the year off and we were going to go live in the South of France for a while. We're going to go to Italy for a while. We're going to go to Asia. We were going to not travel a bunch, like do a bunch of jumping around, but kind of find an apartment, rent it for two months, live there, live in a little village. And we were just going to take some time off and get away, you know, because I've basically worked my entire adult working life i've never taken more than two weeks vacation ever you know and um so we were going to take a year and just travel and and kind of be kids and you know go with backpacks and 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 uh, and do nothing and then of course the pandemic happened and we haven't traveled anywhere we haven't been anywhere my poor wife still had to take the year off and she's been living with me at home kind of going crazy because uh you know, she, 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 she can't go to work and she, she can't do anything. But, uh, so, so I, I bought this little Chamonix last year because it was really tiny, really small that I was going to take with me just with two lenses, just with a 150 and a 120 millimeter lens. I have this little pack that I can pack eight holders, uh, in it that folds up really nice and, you know, take a little tripod. And I was just going to take that system and work as as I went along, and of course, you know, none of that has happened. But the camera is gorgeous. The camera is absolutely. I when I got it, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe how good this thing is. Like it is truly 
truly a stunning camera. It, it's it's the best wooden field camera that I have ever ever used, and um, and so that's now kind of my main go to camera, and I can't wait to actually get out with it and and so, and work on a project. So your project was the European trip, which hopefully will still happen at some point. Yeah. Although your wife has got this year off. She's not going to get another year off though, is she now? She's not going to get another year off, but it's kind of made us uh, look at a couple things in our lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of at the point in our lives where we're, you know, we're, we're, we're 50 plus and we're, we're saying, okay, what do we want to do for the next 10 or 15 years of our lives. Do we just want to work and keep on with this rat race? Um, you know, on your podcast podcast one time, uh, you guys had uh Borat on, um, you know, who, it, who was great. And, um, I'm a big fan of his podcast, but one of the things he said really stuck with me on your podcast. And he said, he, he said, Things aren't crazy now. He thought things were really crazy before the pandemic when things were, you know, kind of out of control. He said he's finally got some time to like sit down and 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 be alone and think and and work on projects. And that's what I've kind of found as well that I've I actually have found I have a little bit of time now to to sit back and think about what I want to do and going forward and the work that I want to create. So it's been on some levels I've used this time to to you know figure out I think my future for the next uh, ten or fifteen years. Yeah, I think for for those of us, and I count myself in that bracket. Although, uh, you know, I still need to work a little bit. But you know, like you, I've worked you know, th- ne- nearly thirty eight years in this, pretty much in the same industry. And you know, I just threw it threw it all away. No, I didn't throw it all away. I mean, I just quit last year. You know, and yeah. And the company said, well, hey, don't go completely. You know, we'll we'll still pay you for five days a month if you tell us what you want to earn, you know. And I wasn't greedy, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's just enough to keep, uh, to, to keep the wolf from the door. But it came as pandam- pandemic was pandam- – pan- I can't say it. Was it pandemic? <laughs> pandemic. Up. And uh, it's been a great time of reflection if – if you're in a position to to appreciate it, you know, so many folks, it's been a disaster, you know? Sure, and, sure. You know, and you and I, and I think, you know, Eric's ca- carried on working. Simon hasn't been affected really, but and, we're, and we're, we're lucky. And we've been able to evaluate, you know, the creative direction, you know, you're, you're having a rethink. Um, but so many folks have not been able to, haven't they? And it's, that's been the great, or dichotomy, I suppose, of the pandemic. Yeah, it's been you know, it's it's been very very hard on some people. There's no yeah. question. Even my wife, you know, it's been hard on her. Um, you know, she teaches and and she was looking forward to this. And 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 if you take the traveling away and then she's not working, well, what's kind of all of a sudden? You, there's a lot of people left with going. Okay, what do we do? Like right. you know, like we're locked at home. We we you know. You, you, it's Groundhog Day every day. You wake up, it's the same thing. Well, and the things that used to like maybe bug you, and you're like, eh, whatever. Like you yeah. have to sit with them. All of a sudden, like, oh, sh-. like all the things you're avoiding in your household, yeah. in your relationships, in in your everything, they're right there. There's no like, ah, I'm gonna pop out 
Yeah. Or like yeah. you're going to gloss this over and just like go get a buy it or go do something <laughs> fun. Like it's certainly sitting in everything. Certainly tests relationships. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we've been lucky. We've been really lucky. Uh, um, w- w- both of us have have have. Uh, we get along really, really well. I mean, I have this. Uh, I really have. I'm so lucky. I have this great wife. We we get, you know that hasn't really been an issue for us. Uh, I mean, not not being able to go out and going for a glass of wine and going for a nice dinner. I mean, that's, that really sucks, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky, we're healthy, our kids are healthy. It's, it's, it, and, and, you know, and if you look at behind me, I mean, you know, come my office is home is at home. I have my book collection and I have things I have, I have things going on. So, so I haven't driven my wife too crazy yet, you know, so but, uh, is the idea then? Were you were you just going to get you know pitch up in Vietnam and undo this bag and produce this Chamonix camera? And she says, "Because I've had this." Is that, is that, is that new? <laughs> have I? Oh, yeah. Have I seen that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, had it a long time. Oh ago. no, no, I, I've had that. I've had that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. She she's so used to seeing so many different things coming coming and going that i don't think she asks anymore wait wait, going (laughs) well i've had to i've had to and actually not only have i had to i've wanted to get rid of some stuff i'm trying to downsize right now is going back to that whole simplicity thing of one camera and one lens i'm actually trying to get rid of a lot of stuff i've through my professional career, I've had to have a lot of stuff. Like, like I got a whole suite of lights and stands and God, yeah. like just everything because you have to have, or excuse me, I had to have a lot of stuff in order to make a living. Yeah. Whereas now I'm kind of going, you know what? It's time to like get rid of a bunch of stuff because, you know, like I said, freedom what I'm finding is there's freedom in simplicity. There's freedom in not having, not having to make a lot of choices. Just, right. you know, this is a working photographer. The whole like one camera, one lens thing that does not fly. No, like, you're no. covering an event. You've got a body per lens. Oh yeah. You don't have time to switch the lenses. You just yeah. one switch the other. I need the 85. I grab the 85. I grab the 35. Like you've got a 28, a 50 and 85. Well, back in the day it was all primes. Now it's like, yeah. you know, a 17 to like the three prime, the three big zooms and three yeah. bodies, and and I mean I'm I'm a you know and I'm a sports photographer. You know I do a lot of sports oh. photography as well. So I mean I have everything. I have everything from a 14 millimeter to a 600 millimeter. I was going to say and you got this big gun. Every single lens that Canon makes going up to that. Uh, I mean it's just it's 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 ridiculous. You get uh, a zoom with you get a telephoto with a piece of glass in the end. That's the size of your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what was going on in that photograph that's doing the rounds on social media with uh, Biden and uh, Jimmy Jimmy Carter and his wife, you know? Have that's you seen that? Hilarious. Have I haven't seen, seen that. So there's Jimmy Carter sitting next to um Joe Biden's wife and then yeah. Joe Biden sitting next to Jimmy Carter's wife and both the Carters appear like midgets next to them. Oh really? And yeah. I don't know what's going on. It's it's just a bit weird, really. It's, it's like they visited the Hobbit set. It is. Yeah. 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 It's it's to do with the 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 lens that the, the, that was used. It's a it's a is it? it's a very wide angle lens. I think there was probably very little room, very little space yeah. um, oh, where the photograph oh, yeah. was taken. Yeah. Um, and 
I think the Bidens are actually closer. Uh, someone, someone busted out a 17 and that photographer yeah. was like five feet from them. And I think there's a, there's a good chance of some, um, uh, or what do you call it now, when you sort the sort out, uh, you straighten things. You do things in Photoshop to, to correct images and things like that. And I think it's overcorrected as well. And it's just exacerbated the size of, uh, the, of, the, of the Bidens. Yeah. Yeah. You can't correct that. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you I can. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. I I bet you that's that's with a 14 millimeter lens, super wide angle, and I bet you they were very close to them because they were in the small room, and you know there was no room to go behind, or else there was you know TV cameras and like there's so many people all the time. So yeah, with that distortion, um, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like you see these these lenses used all the time in real estate. Like they make these tiny little kitchens are ginormous. Then yeah. you go visit the place, yeah. you're yeah. like, this is really like, big. It's a f- closet, man. Like, <laughs> what you, where's these? Oh, 14 millimeter. Okay, like. <laughs> the thing is about that that photograph, though. It's in in many respects, it's awful, um, <sighs> and uh, it, it, you know it shouldn't. It just shouldn't have happened uh, in in many respects. But the other side of it is we're talking about it now. And if that had just been a normal straight photograph, it it would have. I don't know. Some of us might have seen. It. I probably never would have seen it in the UK. It just never. It never would have. Yeah. Never would have come up. It's, yeah. But but uh, but it's 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 news all over the world, and and people are seeing uh, Jimmy Carter and his wife. Who uh, I think when you 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 look at that age of. Um, of politics and things like that and you can start to like look at it and with almost like rose rose tinted uh, glasses you think yeah that's that was that was when politicians were nice and decent and i think actually we've we've talked about or we, i'm not sure we actually, yeah we did talk about um jimmy carter visiting clyde butcher's uh, um not his ranch but his um his place in florida um where he, he took them around on a walk in in, in the swamp and the uh, the secret service guards had to follow them around in their suits and things, which was was, was great yeah, but, forgotten uh, but about that. yeah but, but clyde was um he was very he, he really appreciated uh, president carter ex president carter his, his attitudes and, and things like that and he and and certainly hasn't got as much time for for modern politicians um but it, it's right. i just thought that was a really nice photograph where it links that that nice past to, I mean, whatever you think about President Biden, uh, you know, it comes across to me as being a decent guy, even if you don't like everything that he does. But and it's just nice to see the, you know, that that connect connection uh, connection between you know that past and what appears to be a, a decent guy now, and I think that's resonated right. around the world, and you get that from that photograph. Yeah, they're, they're, they're genial. Like they actually can talk and have a conversation. Um, although the, it does get the question, Todd, if, if that's the photo that all of a sudden like is running everywhere for you, do you make the trip to New York and and, and meet the photo editors and directors? And you're like, oh, I know your name. I took that, f- that photo yeah, of Biden Probably and not that one. Probably not like, that. Oh. <laughs> See, and and people in the industry, they'll totally understand what's what's happening here. Like you know, like they'll get it. And and we know we've been to so many of these little events where you're crammed in, and you're just you know you're just trying to get a, a frame of something that that works. And and you know you you know as photographers, I've been in these situations so many times where you walk in and you kind of roll your eyes. You're going, Are "You kidding me? It's like, can't you guys do anything better than this?" Right? Yep. Yeah. Exercises in environmental portraiture under stress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Todd, um, going back to your Rocky Mountain, segue back into that, your Rocky <laughs> Mountain pictures, you shared a couple of images. Um, I guess they were negative scans. I think they're, ne- they're all probably negative scans that you're showing on there. Uh, yeah. But you had arranged, uh, there was a couple of diptychs, one where they lined up, they lined up pretty well. Another one where you just offset them a bit. And, I, you know, I used to do that all the time with Polaroids and stuff. And it reminded me so much. I just had to, while you were talking, I'd just been back on into the large format photography Facebook group. That's our bi-weekly plug. And a friend of the show, Greg, uh, Greg Obst, posted um, on the 29th of April the work of uh, Elliot Dudick. And I, it was a new name to me. And he'd produced this series of work called Broken Land. And he shoots in 8 by 10 Yes. Shoot, shoots. I use that language. He, he makes photographs in eight by ten, and uh, he uses two eight by ten negatives. I'm quoting Greg's work, composed side by side to make a virtual eight by twenty of sorts. He was telling the story of the land affected by the American Civil War in a very reflective and contemplative way, not merging two frames in Photoshop, just laying them side by side and printing. It's also something that Barbara Bosworth used. To to great effect in her Champion Trees project. So I'll have to look her up as well, put links to the shows. Uh, I'll put links to these people in the show notes, as well as through, though sometimes she extended out to three 8x10 negatives wide. I think if someone can look at different work like this and it helps them to break the preconceived notion that work can only look a certain way, then it's all good. If it enables them to use a technique like this to fulfill their vision for a series or portfolio of work, then it's well worth taking a look. Um, yeah, so I noticed as soon as I saw those, I thought, oh, yeah, well, I've just – Greg's been talking about this in the in the group. Was that a deliberate thing? Because I've not seen you do that before, but maybe you have, and I just haven't seen. I've done that. I've been doing that for a long time, have for – yeah. over 20 years, okay. over 20 years. Um, I actually did – a photograph like that, a triptych of uh, Chichen Itza in Mexico on a Holga. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw a Holga one time, three images, and Life magazine ran it as a big double page spread um, from my Holga camera in, in color film. I See, mean, there is a, there is a spot for crap lenses, Andrew. Absolutely, Thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I, most of the most images I've got on my Flickr site uh, are shot with a Holga. Oh, is that right? Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. And um, so, yeah, I love Barbara's work. Barbara, uh, her work is is amazing. How she how she lays uh, them, uh, you know, side by side. And um, um, sorry, what was his name? Elliot. 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 Yeah, I looked at his work a lot too, and he he is producing some fantastic work of how he does it and he does it in a really great manner where that horizon line perfectly matches up whereas a lot of times my horizon lines don't i kind of take a picture and i move them but that's deliberate as well um i'm not interested in doing in having that 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 perfect like you know sometimes i'd like to have that but oftentimes i'm not It, it it is to put kind of the viewer off and um and, and make you stop and, you know, kind of, you know, who used to do that a lot in portraiture was Richard Avedon. You know, yeah. Avedon did that in, in a big way in, in his, in his American West with, with, you know, his Deardorff, Deardorff and eight by 10. And interestingly enough, when, 
when in the American West came out, I was uh, had I was just starting my photographic career, and a good friend of mine who who is a fellow staff photographer with me at a at a weekly newspaper, he got that book, and I remember getting the American West and looking through it and going, "This is like the worst work in the world." I hated it. Uh, you know, being young, totally did not understand it. Didn't get the work and what he was trying to do. And, and I just absolutely hated it. But the thing was, is that work stuck with me, even though I hated it. It's amazing when, 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 um, when you, if you really, really like something, or if you really hate something, how that work sticks with you. And I think that's a, a, a mark of really good work when something stays with you that way. And then you jump ahead a couple of years. And then I actually went to um, Avedon's retrospective at the Whitney Museum on my very first trip to New York and saw these prints up on the wall. And I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. Like these gigantic prints on the wall were just mind blowing how, uh, you know, never saw anything like them in my life before. And of course, then you jump ahead a few more years and I understood what Avedon was trying to do in his work. And, and now, you know, Avedon by far is, is, has had one of the biggest influences on me. And, and I'm a, I'm a massive fan of his photography. Yeah. I love in the American West now, you know, I went from hating it to absolutely loving it. And I look at it all the time, but he did those, he did those diptychs like that. And sometimes triptychs doing portraits, which, which I found really fascinating yeah. in a really different, interesting way of 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 working like that yeah and he didn't really like the diptychs and triptychs he didn't try very hard and it's almost impossible to do so to get people to hold still enough no. to make them line up he was like rotate yeah. whatever yeah. but the amount of detail two things about avidon is you know, the sheer mind-boggling amount of detail yeah that he yeah. got in those portraits is just like you, you like you see the big print you're like holy hell but also he's a guy who had a style yep white background like we were talking earlier about different styles and change-ups and and how uh there's times like some photographers just they get a style they get known for it and at least for the work that they publish or they get paid for they stick to that yeah you know yeah. and that's their thing you know avidon and, 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 and if you look at it and really look closely at his work it really again goes back to it becomes about the subject you're, you're engrossed in that person that he's photographed. It's not about the photographer or some tricky lens that he used or technique. It becomes about communicating about that person. And that subject really comes through. And, and I think for myself, that is what great photography is, is all about, is, is that subject coming through to your viewers. And not necessarily, you know, oh, Todd Coral used this really cool lens and, and like these photographs, they're, they're kind of different and, and fun, but you know, you forget about them, but, but what's that subject really about? In those days, in those days when we could go out to nice restaurants, it's a real, thir- it's a real first world problem, isn't it? Well, in those days when we could go out to nice restaurants, we have a gastro pub in the next village to us and I'd go and my son worked there when he was, before he started full-time work, he, he, he worked as a waiter and behind the bar and stuff. And the food is glorious, you know. It, it's a pub, but you know, it's, it, we have these things in the UK called taking on this phrase of gastro pubs, you know, because the English pub 
in order to um, survive, really, many of them have gone to food and accommodation. And if you can marry good food, good accommodation, and good beer, you know, all those three—that sort of holy it's a winning grail. combination. Yeah, that sort of um, um, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit combination. <laughs> and um, uh, when, when I go there, and I'm presented with you know belly of pork or some sea bass and on some pea risotto or something. I don't call out the chef and say, you've got to tell me how you exactly how you made that, you know, which pan you used. Did you use any special um, implements? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, I use that analogy all the time. I use that I use that exact analogy all the time when, when you know people they'll go oh look at that photograph it's so great like you know what kind of camera did you use for that like mm -hmm. they think that you know it's, it's like going to a chef and saying yeah you know what kind of pots and pans do you use like to cook that because that that was like an amazing meal that you just made me yeah but at the same time like when you know a chef like their their implements are highly specialized like they have their tools and you you generally cannot get those in a store. Like they have very very particular tools and very particular techniques that they learn through really hard work and education. Like Avedon, Avedon, Avedon lighting. Like they have a whole thing now based around his technique, and it's bloody hard to get right. Let alone oh, yeah. get right in the field. Like it's really difficult. Yeah. To do they seem so simple. White background. Yeah. Subject. Bam. They're, that's part of my language. That's. Hard. It's very hard, very hard. And if you, and also, interestingly enough, I've seen a couple Avidon negatives. If you look at some Avidon negatives, they're dense, man. They're like, they're like, if you would hold them up, you'd say, oh, like I really overexposed them or I, or, or, or you know, we overdeveloped them. Like they are dense. Um, they're, they're not like these zone system, these perfect negatives that you, you know, you can print and everything's like, he'd be like, no, no, I think this needs like, you know, you know, more exposure and, 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 and they're not, they're not like you think at all. They're, they're dense negatives. At least he's going to be sure of getting shadow detail, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Forget I'm reading, it. um, I'm reading a book I bought in, uh, Vegas in 2016, after I'd seen an exhibition by uh, Karsh, Joseph Karsh, oh, yeah. in uh, in the Bellagio Hotel, of all places. And uh, they've got like a little photography or gallery space um, to, down below. And I was blown away. I'm, I might have spoken about this before. I don't know. Probably. I have a habit of repeating myself. But these portraits that Karsh made, and I'm now reading his book, My Life in Pictures, I think it's called. And, of course, he's... He, he he was a massive fan of uh, early 1940s cinematography and lighting, and and he he sort of took that into still photography. Yeah, um, but it wasn't. It's not just about the lighting, you know. I mean, he made that famous picture of Winston Churchill when he whipped the cigar out of. I thought it was just apocryphal, but it was true. He whipped the cigar out of his uh, out of his hand, and Churchill pulled such a face, and then he clipped the shutter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's not. And and um, Georgia O'Keeffe. Uh, to see to see the picture in 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 the book doesn't do it justice, but he's photographed her in her home, I guess, in uh, New Mexico or California or wherever wherever she lived, and she's at the bottom. Of, his framing is exquisite, you know. Very, uh, it looks very modern and cutting edge. You know, he he put people at the edge of frames and and down, and she's quite low in the in the bottom. But he was very much the hand. Her hand is illuminated, and then 
equally illuminated is this skull on the on on the on the deer antelope yeah. skull. I don't know some creature with big horns on the wall, and to see these images, uh, Ernest Hemingway, you know, in his in a, in, a, in a big fisherman sweater. But to see these prints, you know, you you got to go and see these prints and look at it in the book, and it's it's fascinating, you know. But for a photographer, you know, you can look at those pictures and say, you know, the man has got a vision and a style and a presence, and mm-hmm. and boy, you know, and, and I like taking portraits, but not I can't do anything like that, and I've never really mastered lighting. But and you know, another great, you know, I can't say he's been he's been an influence on me, but. Uh, you see work like that and I just get so inspired. And, and I know when you shared your, your love of photography books and I can see some of them behind you, you know, it's, um, uh, you, if you had to, if you had to pick one as your house caught fire, um, which one would you grab and run? Ooh. Yeah. I- You're a mean man, Andrew, for that question. <laughs> Forget your cameras, your book. I would, I would, if it was just one, I would probably grab Robert Frank, the Americans, Ooh, and yeah. um, and whip that out with me. I, I mean, that is, I, I think, one of the, by far, just one of the most amazing books shot, you know, by Amazing Man at, 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 at an incredible time. And I love the aesthetic of that book and how he printed it. I saw... Um, actually, at the Tate, I saw Robert Frank's uh, retrospective that they did at the Tate, and hit the prints that he made that were just stunning. Like, like, like the prints were way beyond any kind of book that you could see. Like, 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 the, like the book was great, but but the, but the prints were out of this world. And and so many. That's what it's like for so many photographers. You know, you see their work in a book or online. But when you actually start seeing prints that these guys do, you really see the vision that they are actually um, trying to work towards a lot of black, especially black and white, a lot of black and white um, photographs are lost because we don't see the prints, you know, like a Western Mm -hmm. print, Western prints aren't very big, but when you see them up close, you go, wow, like this tonal range and, and just how they look, they, they, they just glow and, 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 and and yeah, they're, they're, they're absolutely incredible. So I, I think that's one of the things that we're, we're losing right now in this modern world is the ability of people of how to look at photography, you know, it like, like seeing photography on your iPhone. I mean, yeah, you know, it's good. It's, it's, but there's, there's, there's like, you just swipe and, and there's no time spent with it. Like going to a gallery and seeing an actual print, um, because the print is, is the final, the final say in, in how a photographer is, 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 um, you know, trying to speak. Um, so I think that's one of the things we're really losing right now is is the is the ability to know how to go and look at photographs or or you know how to see. I'm I'm a great fan of photo books of all genre, both printing books, you know, on darkroom stuff, but also monographs and and books about ideas and um, vis- visual literacy is an area I think that. You know, we we can learn, we we can study, and and you know, pick up a book by John Sarkowski. Is it Sarkowski? Sarkowski, uh, yeah, Sark- yeah. So he did that one, I think, called "Look at." Was it looking at photographs or or, or mm-hmm. something like? 
he did one and also um uh the american surfers guy who i spoke about last time um Oh, Joel uh, or uh, no, Stephen no, no. Shore. Jake. Stephen Shore did, did another one about, about visual imagery. So John, yeah. John Sikowski did one about picking pictures apart and and, and uh, Stephen Shore did another one, you know, talking about framing, compressing 3D images onto a 2D frame, you know, and looking at right. the meaning of photographs and how you, how, you, how, you, how you use the elements within a photograph to convey meaning. And it's, uh, you know, when you, when you talk to somebody with a photographic mind like that, it's mind blowing, like a good director and editor or something like that, like those guys. Yeah. You know, so I'm sorry, go ahead, Andrew, finish that thought. out. I was just gonna say like, when you actually talk to those guys or read those books, it's like, it's mind, it's, it's world changing. You know, I, for me, you know, reading about other photographers, reading their story, um, you know, um, looking at their images, reading books about you know the backstories and and trying to learn from paintings and visual literacy i just find that all because because this the love of photography is so great with me like you todd you know i mean it's all i've ever done i mean i've had a day job for years but photography is never more than a heartbeat away from you know from my mind anytime you know and and wanting to immerse myself in the subject. And, and I think books are just a wonderful, wonderful way. And also yeah. a lot of people are producing some great, you know, just on Twitter and Flickr, uh, not Flickr, Twitter and uh, Instagram and things, people advertise making their own little projects, little zines and things, and I buy a lot of those to support and other people, other photographers. It's a, it's a great time to be uh, putting work out there, you know, because it, it's it self-publishing. Really it really is. There's There's a lot of great books that are coming out you know um i did two books myself that i did them just uh, i self-published them printed them as as carbon prints and did a limited run of just 50 books each and um i only have one copy left of of both one uh, of of both books but it, it you know to to have this tactile you know book in your hand and i have this great friend his name is william albert allard he's a great national geographic photographer who's been there for 50 years to hear him talk about a photograph is amazing i wish everybody could hear him talk about a photograph he breaks it down and talks about gesture and light and how um you know, you know, like more than just the simple composition, but but micro composition and and elements that are in the photograph, and to hear him talk about photography that way is 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 amazing. I could listen to him all day long because nobody talks about photography like that anymore. They just no. kind of look yeah. and and oh, yeah. I was and, looking at uh, I was looking at Walker Evans, the American is it the Americans? Uh, yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Um, we're looking at his book just last weekend and looking at the way he puts images together. And I was looking at, um, and there's a very clear story, a bit like, um, uh, a bit like the Americans, you know, that you mentioned before, there's a very sort of almost cinematic way the book's put together. But I was then reminded of a, of a, of a book I read by Jeff Dyer and Jeff's another great commenter on all things photographic and yep. I th- I've only got one of his books, The Ongoing Moment, and he and he and he, and he just picks apart 
you know, American imagery from the forties and fifties, you know, through the farm administration services, and and he and he and he, and he, he dwells on things like the presence of trilby hats and things you know or, mm-hmm. or fedoras in images uh, and the and and how many how many times this appears and he and he links it to sort of different working classes and things and i thought whoa you know this is just there's just a whole world of of visual literacy that yeah. um, i don't begin to understand really there's, you know, but there's I find a it whole there's a whole group of people out there um who are photographers and but their their main strength isn't just as photographers. I like the forces behind books and projects because as directors or editors, but also as essentially um, they, they put the, the images in, in order, right? Like every once in a while, I'm fortunate like Nina, uh, my friend Nina, who started Analog Forever or um, Ann Jastrub, who's the director of the, so the CPA now, the house that Weston built. Like you've, I've been fortunate enough to take them some prints from like the, the Butterfield Overland mail route and just take them a shit ton of prints and be like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. And just watch them, lay them out in a grid and just go, just start reordering and putting things together and grouping things in ways that I could never, as the photographer, who's like emotionally connected with that work, I could never see. Right. And so like people with that sort of literacy and that sort of eye who can just take a group of images and start to put them in a proper order for book or for story and then like talk to them about it is it's incredibly educational, you know, but they just, they operate at a different place in their head. And there's always this value of having someone come in from the outside, look at your stuff, be brutally honest about it. Right. But also put it in an order that makes sense. Right. Because we we're too close yeah. to our work. Yeah. Right. I edited my first book uh, last year with a friend of mine. A friend of mine uh, photographed it. She's a very good photographer here in Canada, Melissa Renwick. And and she did a book on, on youth surfers. And it was great to get all the photographs and then start to put them in some kind of order. And then we'd have arguments about which photograph should be in or not in. And... Uh, it's it's almost like working on a jigsaw puzzle, but but after a while these things make sense and you mm-hmm. create a flow and it's a little bit almost like creating a movie, a little bit documentary of yeah. of how it works. And I was really excited about editing uh, that book and and I'd love to actually do a little bit more editing now. Uh, after working on that project, I really got excited about about piecing this whole thing together and and how one. Pi- picture works to the next picture alex soth works like that a lot as well he will will often take a photograph and then look okay how how does the next photograph relate to the last photograph i took and you know really that's a a, a, his work is almost more lyrical yeah yeah. the thing alec um has just started a great youtube channel as well i don't know if you've seen it yeah yeah. it's very very personal and yeah. also, I picked up a book of his, uh, a small, a small book from Mac Publishers, called "The Confines of My Cage," or "Confines of Our Cage." Yeah, "The Confines of Our Cage," and the book is a, is a series of letters that he wrote to a, a prisoner uh, in the, in the south, and they just got exchanging letters and. and it's all about photographs and family and history, uh, and they get into the realm of snapshots and 
and it's really really fascinating it was about eight or nine pounds and and macbooks produce a series of these little discourses and alex soth's book uh, the confines of our cage is was just mind-blowing and it wasn't really a photography book you know no. but he's yeah. um what a what a fantastic guy yeah he's yeah. fascinating like he's the first person to join magnum who you couldn't say is a straight photojournalist. Like he was sort yeah. of like the, the start of this change in like the great traditional house of Magnum from yeah. straight up hard photojournalism and street photography to a certain extent um, to this like personal work, poetry, lyrical, yeah. like mind space. And also Magnum's still bringing in photographers who are photojournalists and documentary, but they're bringing a lot more people who are just sort of doing a thing. Yeah, right. it's much broader now. It's much broader, and and they also realize that that you know, like I said earlier, you need authors. You, you know, you don't need people just to cover an event anymore. Like 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 those aren't those aren't the people that people are looking for. You need authorship. People that are going to bring their story uh, in pictures to you, to you know, to an editor or to a publisher, and you know that's what people are looking for now. Right. And Alec does that. Yeah, he does that. He does well, that. So well. I, I don't I don't think Todd you've got any more room in your life for any more projects from what I can see, you know. So I think <laughs> I, um, editorial uh, editing books I think is you know, <laughs> is nice to think of, but I don't think you've got time for it. That that will be that will be my next thing. That that my my, my next thing. I actually have um um uh, an artist residency coming up. I oh was, wow, do you? It, yeah. that, it kind of has again has spurned uh, like YouTube is really um, there. There's been a path. Uh, YouTube has really opened up a lot of doors. I've done a lot of things this past year that I probably would not have done if it wasn't for YouTube. Uh, I went out and I've taken a lot of photographs. I kind of started a lot of different pieces of work. I started thinking a little differently. I applied for this artist residency. There's in Southern Alberta. A hundred years ago, there was this great photographer. His name was um, uh, Goshel, and he photographed this community with all on large format in black and white. And at a museum here in Calgary, they have a big body of his work and a permanent exhibition of his work. So my pitch to them was to go back now a hundred years later um, and take my large format camera and try to photograph some of the people that some of the descendants that he photographed, but the same <laughs> landscape in the same place. Perfect. And his, um, his studio is still going run by the university of Lethbridge as an artist residency place. And it's this wonderful studio with North lighting and all kinds of wonderful w windows, so I have a whole month there to bring people into the studio, to wow. go out into the community. And that's all I'm going to do what's, is what's, photograph it on large What's format. his name? I, I couldn't understand his name when you rattled it out. It's spelled G-O-S-H-U-L, Gushel. Okay. Wow. Well, are you going okay. to shoot wet plate or dry plate? No, no, no. It'll be, it'll, I, I, I'm not, I take the, you know what? Man. I only have 30 days and I have to maximize that time. Yeah. I have to maximize yeah. the time with it's finding not the time people. time to experiment, is it? Yeah. Finding people, bringing them in, uh, figuring things out and, and, and photographing in the community. I really want to, uh, you know, work a lot and maximize that time. I'm, I'm going to go before that and start doing some work and prelim yeah. work and yeah. taking some pictures. But for those 30 days, I need to be all in. 
Wow. Well, that sounds really, really. When when are you doing that? Um, That is not actually going to be for. uh, It is 2021. Um, It's it's it's. I picked 2023 to do that, which seems you know two years away, a long time, and in part because the pandemic was going on, and 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 I didn't know. When we were talking about this, I didn't know when things were going to open up. Like, is this going to last a year? Is it going to last two years? You know, I don't want to have this great opportunity and go down there. And we're still in a in a time where nobody wants to, you know, come into a studio to get photographed. Nobody wants to talk to you on the street. So yeah. that was a big consideration. I think 2023 is sensible. And, and it will give sufficient time to people who have forgotten about you, listen to this show, and you can come back on and, <laughs> um, and, and tell us all, all about it. We can revisit. Uh, you can. And we so, can talk about this. Simon, yeah. Simon uh, the eye of Sauron is looking at me <laughs> yes, on Simon. the screen. Yes, my, uh, my, my image is gone. I'm just, just an, an initial now. Uh, just a, and I've, I've managed to stay with the podcast this week, so that, that's, that's, that's good. Um, it's a good, good, that's always a good sign. Yeah. It's, um, well, I've, I've managed to get it down to 53 degrees, my computer, so that's, that, that's, uh, that's good news, I'd say. Wow. This entire time he's been frantically blowing out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Please, please work. Um, it's, it's funny when you just mentioned uh, somebody with, a, with, with, with an odd name and a north facing. Um, studio window that sounds very, very, yes, very Belkovich like um, mm. but, um, but uh, Todd it's been absolutely fantastic having you on you've uh, when you talk about maximizing your time well you've 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 max- maximized your time on this show because we've covered so many topics it's been absolutely fascinating having you with us so thank you for being with us Todd you're welcome you're welcome I gotta say I I am a big fan of your show I listen to it when I drive out in the country, which, you know, here in on the prairies in Canada, it's easy to go and drive five or six hundred kilometers in a day just just going taking photographs because the land is so vast. But I listen to you guys all the time. And, and I think I, I, I really dig what you're doing. You guys are you guys are a lot of fun to listen to. And and the guest selection is is always really good in this. And um, so thank you for for doing this and for and and for the community, because, you know, I did that thing with Matt and the light meter. Uh, you know, he called me up. He said, hey, would you be interested in 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 reviewing this? I said, yeah. But the only thing is, is like, you know, I got to be honest with you. If if it's not good, like like I'll be honest with people. I'm not going to just say, hey, you know, it's just great. He said, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, do what you do. Um, but there's. Uh, you know, and somebody wrote on it. I can't believe he's putting a Kickstarter out before he go- he he has this. Just being greedy. I'm like, it was the first time I actually piped in on a comment. I said, "Dude, being greedy about what? It's like these are people who do large format stuff. You think they're going to make millions of dollars and go down to the Bahamas with their money from their you know from their little CNC plastic light meter? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like." Everybody who does this, you know, I listened to the Nico, your Nico show the other day. You know, there's another guy who just, there's so many, I've, I've discovered so many great people on YouTube that just do this for the community to give back to, you know, uh, show great photographs to, um, uh, you know, to, to share information with, with everybody. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great, people that that just do this for the love of of film for the love of photography and that's one of the best things i've i've got 
out of doing YouTube is appreciating that and, and learning about all these people, learning about you guys in the podcast that you do. It, that has been probably the most satisfying thing of starting my YouTube channel. Yeah, hmm. well, shucks. Yeah. Well, speechless. Absolutely, and it's uh, yeah. We've 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 said said it before. I mean, we 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 love doing what we do because the people that we talk to, and the 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 avenues it, it takes us down, and and we we learn so much. I I certainly learn so much because I I started this whole process process knowing very little about large format photography. So it's uh, it's been my training course, um, and it's uh, you know and I've learned I've learned so much. Um, now then, let's. Uh, do the other bits of the show um, and just to show just how greedy we are um, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the people that donate to us um, and uh, via coffee that's and if you go onto the coffee.com page um, and look us up on large format photo photography podcast you should be able to find us and since we were last on we have had a donation um, so thank you uh, that is oh dear Oh dear, it's another name. There you go. Oh, he spelt it. Actually, just realised he spelt it phonetically for me. Yeah, oh, wow. okay. He must listen. That's... He must listen to you butchering the names. <laughs> exactly. Okay, um, I'm going to try and do this. How, how he's actually put this? This is Jeremy. I could do that bit. Um, and it's Ve Van Skelquick. Van Skelquick. There you go. I said wow. that just. Yeah, that's right. I just said that right. Obviously. And and if you didn't, you said it with such confidence that we believe you said it right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, Jeremy Van Van Squal <laughs> Van Squalquick. That's what he says. Um, th thank you so much for a great podcast. Um, I haven't been finding much motivation lately to get out and shoot in any format. Um, uh, for the for the most of oh, dyslexia's kicked in there. Um, for most of this past. What's that? Somebody needing some help in the background there? Muting. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, for this, this this past year. Uh, but your show always is always a delight regardless. Thank you and please keep it up. Well, thank you very, very much, Jeremy Van Skalquick. Um, so uh, that's our donation for uh, this week. And... Um, let's talk about... Let's actually come back to you, Todd. If people want to go to see the kind of things that you do and i'm pretty damn sure that having listened to you they're going to want to do that where are the best places for you for people to see uh what you do as and and also you know, talk about your youtube channel as well yeah uh my website toddcorrell.com t-o-d-d-k-o-r-o-l.com uh instagram is just the same name and my YouTube channel now, uh, toddcoral.com. And I plan on doing kind of bouncing a bit back and forth, doing a kind of an episode on my work that I do in photographs and then doing an episode on helping people out and maybe, you know, a review or, or a tech thing about large format photography. And it's based around, you know, strictly film and large format photography. Excellent. We look forward to the uh, exposition on Scheimflug um, with with bated breath. <laughs> yes. Are you are you completely um, au fait with the BMAP principle uh, for when you actually uh, do that uh, that that video, Todd? 
Yeah, I, well, that might be that might be a uh, I don't know I don't know if I like I'm not kind of a slime flug type of photographer. I'm I'm Except I'm more pissed. of a let's let, you know let us set up the tripod. Let's put the let's put the camera on and let's make some pictures, right? Yeah, that, that's true. But when Wayne sets a uh, did the beer mat thing. Um, I, I think that that really had to be the way that all people would have to explain the shine fluke from that, that point onwards. But you know, if, if if you can't keep up with that one, that that's fair enough. If you've got your own way of explaining it, then that, that that's that's good. Um, yeah. So uh, let's do our other bits, uh, Andrew. Um, how can people keep up with you outside of this podcast? Most social media apart from things like TikTok, which I don't understand. Um, <laughs> you're, not I'm, Gab, you're not on Gab yet then or anything like that? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, Twitter and, and Facebook, really, and Instagram as War, War Boys Snapper or just my name, Andrew Bartram. I'm so famous if you Google me, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find me. And also on, another, on, uh, on another occasional podcast, well, it's, it started off as weekly. It went bi-weekly and we haven't put one out for ages. But that's mainly because my other podcast wife, uh, Corrie Cannon, is, um, his father-in-law is very poorly, so he's spending a lot of time in Florida. And um, podcasting is not something that's just at the forefront of his mind. So we haven't put a, a lensless podcast out for a while now. But was, you know, if you're interested in pinhole photography, we have about 104, 105 shows out there. Um, so you can check out the lensless podcast and you can check out my the Facebook group, the lensless podcast Facebook group. And you can check out our Facebook group, the large format photography Facebook group. And there you go. And I'm a member. I, I, yes, I, I know. Yes. And uh, if if you want to write into the show and ask a question or to tell us off or anything like that, what's the best way of doing that, Andrew? Oh, well, I'd, um, I'd send an email um, to, to you directly, Simon. That's what I'd do. <laughs> well, wow. you can, or you can send it to largeformatphotographypodcast at gmail.com. It rolled off the tongue. Well done. Well done. It's like a... It, I, rolled off like a fine merlot yeah as it slid down and i just realized we haven't done shout outs so we'll we'll do we'll carry on doing the going around doing these um contact things and then we'll go back people know outs. by now if you've listened to more than one show they know where to find us you know yeah that's 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 true but just on but just in new case, people yeah just in case somebody doesn't know where eric is and the, the things that he does so where, where where can people see your work eric uh pretty much just instagram e-r-i-k-h-m-a-t-h-y uh, you'll see lenses, bunnies. positive paper negatives, uh, glass plate negatives nowadays, and yes, bunnies. Although three of them have been placed into homes, and hopefully two more will is get bull, placed. This is, bull still got, is, is bull still around? The flopping bull is 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 bull. Is it? Am I, am I saying it right? Boule, B O U L E. She is still around. Hopefully, this weekend, she and one of her daughters will be a- adopted by a family who are very excited to have a pair of bunnies. Oh. So, yeah. but that's sad yeah. for you, isn't it? Really. Yeah, she's my foot warmer when I work. She's always at my feet. Yeah. Better than in your pot. <laughs> yes. Oh, that'd be more like bouillon, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Terrible. Todd, yes, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Todd, um, do you have any shout-outs for us? Well, I, I mean, I guess I guess I already did mine with your podcast. And, and you know, and to every any, anybody and everybody who's – who's just going out and making pictures and producing these little zines or little books and, and, 
and sharing their photography. I mean, I mm -hmm. think that's, I think it's an exciting time to be a photographer right now an exciting time to be uh, a consumer of photography as well. So that would be it for me. Excellent. Uh, Andrew, any shout outs? Well, I mentioned a few. I'd point people towards, if you're not familiar with Jeff Dyer's work on his sort of photographic commentaries and, uh, yeah, start with the ongoing moment, but he's done others as well. Jeff Dyer. Okay, and Eric. Uh, my fiance is always for putting up with me and yet another camera, which is probably coming in the mail soon. Um, <laughs> uh, but also to the folks that I mentioned previously, uh, Ninian Kelly, who's one of the founders of Analog Forever magazine if you haven't picked that up or subscribed to it please do it's a really beautiful beautiful publication of just purely film-based photography she's got an incredible photographic mind um and she's just a wonderful friend and also ann jastrub who's probably the one of the best if not the best photographic directors and editors that i've ever had the pleasure of shooting a breeze with and also the honor of having her look at my work and giving me feedback she teaches me something every time and uh, she's just really a, a wonderful member of the photographic community. If you ever get the chance to have your portfolio reviewed by Anne, you should run, not walk, to do so. Excellent. Nice. And uh, I will uh, give a shout out to our our friends on the Homemade Camera Podcast because the boys. Um, there's a, there's a, a potentially interesting guest now. I've I've downloaded the episode, but I've not actually heard it yet, so I can't say if it is any good or not. But I'm pretty sure it will be, um, because the current guest on the Homemade Camera Podcast is none other than Mr. Eric Matty, with a plant growing out of his head. Yeah, totally. I moved it so the plant is on my this side of the head today. Yeah, that was fun. That was a that was that was fun. I forgot about that. Yeah. Props. Thanks to the guys. I don't know why they want to have me on. I don't make cameras, but it was very kind of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you make, you make lenses, don't you? So, I mean, that, that's, that must be a good enough reason in its own right. And you've been making a camera anyway. So it was, yeah, you, yeah, you're doing lots of that kind of stuff at the moment. So yes, you fully deserve to be on there. Thank you. You're kind. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, so that's my shout out and um we'll start to wind things down and although you've i didn't get to say uh how you can f look at my stuff um i've hardly been taking any photographs lately at all for lots of good reasons although the the six towns darkroom will be reopening um soon uh which is like really exciting news because uh we're coming out to the well the next stage of uh lockdown reduction or whatever whatever it's called is uh, is happening in the uk um so i think we're going to be probably able to get six people in the in not necessarily in the dark room itself but in the the area that we call the the six trans dark room before you go into the dark room itself so so that will be starting up soon um and uh I am on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, which is also the name of my website uh, where you can get lens caps. And if you get in touch with me and you've got an, an odd shaped mm. lens, um, I will make a lens for you. Um, make a lens for you? No, not a lens, a lens cap. I won't make lens. Eric makes lenses. I make Eric lens caps. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, we'll be talking soon. That's it. Yeah, we, we had a little chat before before the show. So uh, there'll, yes. there'll be one heading to Canada quite soon. Um, and what else? Um, our music is by um kevin mcleod of incompetech.com and it's called two finger johnny johnny and everybody loves it um and i think that's it so i hope you've enjoyed uh, the show this week and goodbye
Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Don't make us force you to say bye again with more enthusiasm, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>